Converting leads, closing deals, and performing amongst the top salespeople in your industry require more than just talent and experience. Hear from the best as we discuss the proven formulas they use to generate new leads and close deals on the science of business development. Hi, and welcome to the Science of Business Development podcast. I am Stephanie Welter with Keller Williams Success Realty, and I'm joined today by Becca Carlson from Carlson Integrated. Welcome. Thank you so much, Stephanie. It's fantastic to be here. I'm so happy that we finally got to meet in person. We've had some Zoom calls and... You're just so fun to be around. Your energy is amazing. So thanks for coming today. No, this is fantastic. I can't think of a better way to spend a rainy Thursday. It is raining out. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to jump right in because I famously, at least to me, don't do much research prior to these podcasts because I like to just have a conversation. And one of the biggest questions is the the structure of your business. So Carlson Integrated is primarily marketing, but you're also a commercial real estate brokerage. So how did that happen? And is that a thing other than what you have? Interestingly enough, I didn't intend on having a commercial real estate brokerage practice. I was licensed while I was in-house at my old company, mostly because when I started in the industry, I wanted to learn the vernacular of real estate. Okay. Figured getting some sort of quick licensing was the fastest way to start learning the language. Mm-hmm. I did so 19 years ago. Okay. Unfortunately, when I left my old in-house company, they told me to take my license with me. The result of that was a six-week stint in managing broker classes so that I could have my license hung by myself. And then over time, over the past five years as since I've been on my own, it's been an interesting growth pattern and an unintentional growth pattern, quite frankly. I've been actively growing my marketing business, but on the commercial real estate brokerage side, I've had a couple of friends and colleagues who've asked if they could hang their license with me, which I've been delighted to do, Mm -hmm. especially understanding where their positions are in the industry. Often they're friends and colleagues who have primary businesses that are ancillary. They happen to be licensed in addition to maybe being a career property manager. Right. They happen to be licensed in addition to being a career educator or, or a title agent. Or if there are various other careers where people have licensing, they may not be utilizing it, but they want to have a managing broker who understands that they're not going to be generating leads. They're right. not going to be bringing in business per se. It's going to be a very different structure. As that has grown and evolved, I've been happy to have opportunities to build a unusual brokerage business that involves educating, mentoring, providing opportunities to learn, particularly in the commercial real estate business mm-hmm. that has been my industry my entire career. That makes sense. So you started in a marketing role at a commercial brokerage, and then when you broke off on your own, you kind of just took both hats with you. Okay, so I was I was wondering how that because it's not really a thing. It's totally weird. Nobody <laughs> does this. I love it though because that's what kind of businesses survive. So you're unique. It's amazing. So your company today, are you focusing on your own growth as a commercial broker, or are you just doing that so that you can keep that network alive and those friends and family and like you said, experienced agents that don't need lead gen? with you, but you're marketing, right? That's your thing, your business development. Marketing is my world. What does your shirt say? (laughs) I 
can't stop myself. It's like my uniform. I have four. You're marketing your love of marketing. Okay. (laughs) It's so true though, because if we don't tell our stories, then no one can hear them. I love that. And it's a pinnacle element of any business. And I did come from the commercial real estate world, not specifically brokerage. Actually, I was from the investment side. So I was the director of marketing and business development for a company that acquired shopping centers and parking structures across the country. And as my understanding of that investment piece of the marketplace, which is a little bit different than a brokerage mindset and Mm -hmm. a little bit different way to come at a real estate a real estate solution mm-hmm. to or, and to approach a need, I recognize that no one can do business with someone they don't know about. Yeah. And I loved the growth that we were able to experience in the investment firm when I was there. We raised, we started raising funds as uh, in syndication model, and then we went to friends and family to a uh, committed um, a series fund model, and then we raised investment funds, friends and family funds typically around the $20 million mark to invest in more properties. It's amazing. So taking that knowledge and that experience, building a business from the inside, and then with their full blessing, I promise, I actually still get to work with them because it's a family office and you don't lose family in real estate. Right. right? You grow your family in real estate. You never, ever want to lose them. They're, I love that. Their entire career. Yes. And it doesn't people. matter where you work. It's the same people everywhere and the relationships exactly. grow. It's yes. like a snowball. So like I met you through a mutual friend, Marty Norkid. I know he's over with you now. He's my commercial mentor. Hi, Marty. We love you. <laughs> Um, so it, it is, it's just such a, a great approach. And I love what you said about you can't do business with somebody that you don't know about. I mean, that just sums it up. That's, that's your, your marketing. That's, and people don't think about it in such simplistic terms. Everyone kind of comes at it from a more, I think, corporate mindset, but you're so human. I mean, I don't know if people can see that from the camera, but being with you in person, it's like, it's so authentic and real. And I, I think that you bring that to your clients when you're marketing for them. So you're very good at what you do. <laughs> Thank you. So my, my next question would be like, so for someone that's just starting out as a self-employed individual, or maybe they've been at it for a while, what are maybe like the top three to five things that they should be doing first to establish a brand? That is a fantastic question. I'm asking for myself. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a reality that people do go about it differently. And when people start the concept of launching a business, they get so many messages from so many different people. Mm -hmm. And there's basic business pieces like, yes, you do want to have an LLC. You want to protect yourself from any sorts of potential future claims. You want to be insured. You know, basic business structure advice is actually easier to find, I think, than branding. Yes. The, the branding information that's out there seems to me to be a little bit um, confusing in a sense. Like, have your personal brand, but communicate your company brand. Mm-hmm. But it, I feel like you can't say anything, but you want to say everything. And then you yes. just do nothing. Yes. and Help us. <laughs> So I actually look at it this way. If you're going to do marketing, if you're going to market yourself, if you're going to market your company, your new initiative, whatever that is, whether that's initiative level or full company level, Mm -hmm. 
nothing happens without a plan. You got to make a plan mm-hmm. because spur of the moment execution only works for a certain period of time if it's not ingrained in your regular routine. Right. And you need to have a strategy around it. So there's an execution-oriented plan and a strategy. And the strategy to me is messaging. What are you going to say? What are the key elements? And I would pick like three. Pick three messages you want to say. That's it. It In general or for like a certain amount of time? Overarching about your company, about your initiative, about you. So people talk about value propositions. They talk about... My pill, I, I see pillars, mm-hmm. I see core values, I see mission, I see all of those pieces. If you can pick three things that are important to you, mm-hmm. that you know that you need to communicate about your company, and that could be that you're, first and foremost, probably is you're transitioning to a new thing, mm-hmm. and everything that's new and wonderful about it really falls under that new category. Okay. And then the second piece probably are some of those values, but you can take that overarching who am I and who am I, who am I going to be? Mm-hmm. So it's not who I'm, just who am I now, but there is a little bit of vision casting that comes from this. Vision casting, I like that. <laughs> it, it feels like a non-business term because mm-hmm. I, I feel here more in like a self-help kind of world, I but I mean it in business. I think a lot of holistic terminology is coming into regular like nomenclature, and I love it. I'm here for it. So yeah, vision <laughs> casting on a corporate level. So when you're doing that, are you are you speaking in future tense or are you talking like you're there now? I'm talking like you're there now. You're building your business for where you want your business to be. Mm-hmm. So the aspirational aspect of who we serve. Mm-hmm. So today you're serving friends and family who are give who want to give you a shot and want to help grow your business. Mm-hmm. But if the second stage of growth for you is that you're going to want to serve small businesses. Right. Say we serve small businesses because you can and will and do. Yes. Don't negate the value of who your friends and family who are starting working with you are, rather amplify it and make it bigger by giving them the professional credentials that they deserve. Yeah, I think people are so afraid to say that they do something unless they've done it. And I've actually overcome that and I I do everything, you know. And you do try to stay within a certain, you know, specialized area. Of course. But yeah, just saying even to the extent of commercial real estate, you know, I just started doing that last year and I'm comfortable saying to the world, I do commercial real estate and you know, I'm closing on an auto shop, you know, this month, thank God finally. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 nerve wracking to say that you're a professional because you feel like all of these people are going to come get you for your imposter syndrome or whatever. And you know what? Nobody cares. And even if they do, it's just more traction for the algorithm. So if someone, you know, God forbid were to troll you, it's just going to bring you up to the top and make more people see you. So I actually like that when I post like an open house flyer and a bunch of trolls will be like, oh, you know, this is a garage sale page. And I'm like, thanks for pushing me up to the top. See you on Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) But that kind of brings me to my next point. But did you wrap up like the three things? I think we got a couple. Am I missing anything? We, We didn't get to the third one. And the third piece that I would make sure that you're communicating is your services. Like make sure people, there's no doubt in people's mind what you do. Mm-hmm. What you do has to be absolutely clear. And it doesn't mean that you're negating the pieces on the fringe, but it make, means that everyone who comes 
to you, whether that's on social media, whether that's in your office, whether that's in your phone calls, in your emails, in your networking groups, you have to have that quick speech, that pitch, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. People have to know what you do because they can't give you business if they don't know what you do either. If they don't know who you are, they don't know what you do, and if they don't know what you're trying to say, they can't work with you. Right. That's pretty important. (laughs) (laughs) So... I briefly touched on the algorithm aspect, and this is something that I'm just going to shut down. This is like the bane of my existence is the back end of websites. And so I'm assuming that you know about this as a marketing expert, but to me, like Google clicks and, you know, even having like a Squarespace site and seeing who's clicking on what or whatever platform that you use, Facebook or Meta Marketplace and their advertising portion So I just shut down and it stresses me out. I know it's such an integral component to running a business. How much should the average person know? And when should you just say, okay, I need to call Becca? So that is a really, really good question because there's, again, so much information out there. I just shut down. I just don't do it. And I actually feel like in some ways it's perpetuated by the marketing industry. Like, Interesting. Hire us. You are not going to be able to figure any of this out, so you should hire us. There are a few basic pieces, and I don't think they're particularly complicated. I've done like sessions and webinars on making sure that you're hitting the first page of Google, things mm-hmm. like that, because I recognize that there are tools out there that people can self-utilize in order to have those analytics, in order to research them. I literally just did a report for a nonprofit client two days ago, looking at doing a deep dive into their website analytics. And if things are configured correctly from the beginning, or you have like a goal of configuring to be correct, Mm -hmm. that's a one-time thing. So when we develop new websites, for instance, we're connecting it with Google. So there's Google Search Console, there's Google, analytics, all of those things are connected from day one because you need, Google needs to find this site more than anybody else does, unfortunately. Right. And so that's not just like a natural occurring event. (laughs) So it is a naturally occurring event in the sense that Google will crawl the site. Right. But as far as an actual connection where you can see all of those analytics Mm -hmm. and connecting it to your Google My Business, all of those things in one place, it's not automatic. Okay. So when we're configuring websites, and I'm not going to say this is brain surgery. Like there's a plugin, you put it on, it's Google Site Kit, Mm -hmm. you connect it to the Google account. Magic. You know what? You say that so naturally, it just rolls off your tongue. But to me, I'm just like, (laughs) like, so to me, I could talk about real estate all day. That for some reason, it just triggers something inside me that shuts down. And so I think there, there is a space for obviously marketing companies to exist because people like me just don't get it. And all of those things that you said so quickly, like it just didn't connect in my brain. <laughs> well, and I think that I'll be probably calling you after this as well. Um, just to like to look at my stuff. Cause I don't even we're know friends. what's happening. You know, right? I just don't, I, I post stuff and I just forget about it. There's no tracking. There's no like, is this message effective? But Should I stop is, saying this one thing? I have no idea. Facebook is tracking it though. So your social media platforms do have analytics as part of it, not just for advertising, mm-hmm. but for posting. So half of it's 
figuring out how to get to them yeah. because the platforms have changed a lot of their backend navigation consistently and considerably over the past several years. Yeah, I've noticed that. And I'm actually restricted. I hired someone, um, like a third-party company, I want to say almost two years ago, to run some ads to get new clients. And whatever was posted got me restricted, and I, I cannot get out of the Facebook. Facebook jail. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm allowed to post. I just can't use marketing. I can't boost anything. Um, I have so much to learn, and I, I just love talking with you about this because I'm like, there's a whole – and that's just Facebook. And that brings me to the, the next land of like, should people like me – even consider TikTok or is there a point where you're just aged out and sick in your lane? <laughs> Do you love TikTok? I don't even have it. it. It's too fast for me that it feels like either I'm really going to love it like a drug or I'm going to hate it. And so I don't do it. So I'm like, the, the, there's two things that I, I don't like and it scares me. But I do also feel like, you know, what are you saying? You're, you're old and you're, you're not you know, evolving with the times. Do I need a TikTok? Does everybody need to grow or should some of us just stick to our age group? I don't know if – I wouldn't say that it's an age piece, quite frankly, because there are certainly successful TikTok stars that are of different age groups and mm -hmm. all of those pieces and users that are – I think that their user base is slowly but surely aging up a little bit. I do see that a little bit. I've actually read it on that mm -hmm. recently. My specific feelings towards social media, towards any platform, quite frankly, are that you want to identify where your audience is. Mm -hmm. You want to identify where you want to have an audience, where it matters to you to have an audience, and pursue accordingly, which means that for many of my investment clients, they're really doing LinkedIn and that's about it. That's, that's where their audience is. Yeah, We have a wonderful residential broker client that we've had for a really long time. And the further we get into the conversations with her over and over, it still comes back to where her clients are actually more likely to be LinkedIn users than Facebook and Instagram. So she keeps everything running on Facebook and Instagram, but we recognize that her particular clientele are Cranes readers and they're buying expensive, expensive luxury homes mm -hmm. and... They're really on LinkedIn. That's the audience. So growing an audience that can't do business with you or doesn't want to do business with you or is not your audience isn't that beneficial to your business. I have read many times people are doing business over TikTok. They like it and they have these opportunities. Yeah. I do think there's a risk specifically with TikTok in that its predecessor was Musical.ly. Mm -hmm. Musical.ly was shut down by the government. Right. TikTok has some of those potential pieces in that and also in that it's not an American company. Okay. So that's a real place. Because remember, when a when a social media platform shuts down and when and or you are not allowed to post, you lose everything. You do not own those followers. You do not have their contact information. You cannot reach out to them. They're gone. The second your account is suspended, removed, platform shut down, it's they're not actually they're gone. So making sure that you have a multi-strategy, multi-channel investment strategy for your marketing is really important. Capturing people's actual contact information, whether that's through newsletters, some sort of, I know everybody hates the email blast, oh, yeah. but you need a way to contact people outside of a social platform. Right. Don't 
keep everything there. You're putting yourself at the whim and risk of every big of big companies that don't always have your best interest at heart. That makes perfect sense. And I can see it from just like an investor standpoint of don't put all your eggs in one basket. You just you need For to sure. diversify and yes. just pulling that information from those sources and getting it in your database where it's safe and sound is so important. And another thing that I'm not doing, so thank you for, <laughs> I tried doing it from Facebook and you can't, you have you to, can't. it pulls it in a format that you can't retrieve. And so there's, there's so many things that are overwhelming to the average, you know, small business owner. And it's, you know, the, it's so nice to have people like you that specialize in this because it's like, and that's how I feel with real estate. It's like, I'm, I'm happy to take on all of the, the stress because it's not stressful to me. I love you, it. You know, it's so like, I, <laughs> right. I'm so ready to just hand you my computer and be like, fix my life. Um, we'll talk after this on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another question I was thinking about was like, when you're talking about marketing, how do you or do you market differently to, I mean, I would assume the answer is yes, to existing customers versus if you're doing a campaign to attract new leads. So what kind of things are you doing the same? Because you want to keep those pillars, the similar branding or same branding, but you're trying to get new people. How do you avoid sounding redundant to those that already know you? I think that information always wins. Okay. So whether you're educating a prospective client base or a current client base, centering around information and education and providing tools and resources that can be considered helpful. Mm -hmm. And that can be uh, what's going on in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. That can be what's going on on the street. That can be ancillary retailers that you should visit in your neighborhood. There's all sorts of ways and tactics you can go about it. But providing value is always the goal. Yeah. It's not, the goal isn't, see my name. The goal is how am I serving you? And serving that servant attitude comes into play for prospective clients also. That's true. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because that was a shift that I kind of organically went through because when you first start a new industry, you're like, me, 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 me. Like, here's what I'm doing. Here's the updates and da, da, da. And then I got to a point where I'm like, I, I want to talk about them. <laughs> This is really what I care about is like how I can help you. And so to switch the mindset and the messaging to a more service space has been, I don't want to say tremendously effective because that makes it sound transactional, but it, it just feels better in my heart. Like I don't want to be selling myself. I want to be helping people and I need that to come exactly. across, you know, like that's the whole point. It's like, how do you do that and stand apart, you know, and make yourself noticeable in a sea of other people doing the same like what are some tricks that you can share with us do the yellow pants work <laughs> absolutely because I'm going for that right now. that was my <laughs> big idea this year <laughs> uh, and, and I use I love marketing shirts so. I mean, it catches the eye you know that's all the same vein <laughs> I think that authenticity always stands out what I do observe is that there's a can nature. There's a inauthenticity, I would say, that permeates, particularly in that residential real estate agent world. Mm -hmm. Not every client is for every person. Right. That is a reality of all of our businesses. 
I wish I could be the solution for everybody who comes in my door or that I do a Zoom call with or a discovery call with, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I will. I want to help them and, and send them on their way if they're, if they're not the right fit and provide whatever resources I can and recommendations that I can. Mm-hmm. That shows, shines through. And I don't, I don't really know why, but people know it. Yeah. Like when I do a call, I'm not asking for business. I'm asking how I can help. Yeah. And I think that that for me in marketing, which is also has kind of uh, some negative connotations to it, some extremely positive connotations, but I think that marketing can be viewed as negative, as a unnecessary expense, as a ineffective, no ROI, no KPI, what are we even doing here? Right. Those sorts of pieces. And yet, authentic attempts to actually help people always stand out. Mm-hmm. And so your mannerisms, your behavior, your message, I do think that the messaging strategy piece of what we do particularly is possibly the most important thing we ever do for our clients. Is the messaging component? Developing the messaging component, hmm. understanding, and I call it the W's I do, who, what, when, where, why, how. Okay. Right? It's yeah. very simple. It's very simplistic, but it's easy to understand. Like, who's your audience? What do they need to hear? When are they looking? Where are they at in their in their life cycle of their business mm-hmm. or or for you? When are people looking for a new home? When are people looking to sell their home? Right. What are those catalysts and those drivers? And how are you speaking to those situations within your messaging strategy? Right. Because you can say all sorts of things, but if they're not resonating with the people who are at that point, then you're missing out on a potential opportunity to draw them in when they're at that point in their in their decision making. Mm-hmm. There, there are specific times in their lives that they need your message. Right. Yeah, and unfortunately, some of those times in real estate are sensitive, and so I don't even approach those. I'm not saying the three Ds. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm not saying the three Ds. Yeah, um, we won't. But yeah, there, there, there is a certain level of sensitivity too. And you don't want to prey on people's pain, but you do no. want to be there when they need help. For sure. Well, That's and I look a, at it as life changes. Yes. Right? So I wouldn't drill down to those three Ds. I talk about life changes. Mm-hmm. Like what's changing in your world? Right. Because every life has chapters and transitions and whether there's uh, – growth in your family or a shrinkage in your family, their life-changing situations, those are all pieces that you can speak to and can authentically speak to as a residential broker. That's that's why you're doing this, right? So you can help people exactly on those points in their journey. So be like that sounding board and someone to guide them through a very difficult... It's it's fun too. I mean, it's house hunting to me is so fun, but it's difficult. There's a lot of obstacles people don't get. And so to be able to be there for someone... And I, I, I see that so much with you because I can just, I, I feel the anxiety welling up in me just thinking about all of the stuff that I wish I was doing for marketing and I'm not able to do. Oh my gosh. So like, I love that you, you're you that person. You are the one that I need to come to. Other people need to come to. Like, I'm going to sell your services all over town now because we don't know that. If we knew that, we'd be doing that. We're not, you have to stick to what you're passionate about. And I'm not passionate about marketing but I do want to reach my people and so it's it's really helpful to have someone (laughs) as a sounding board for that 
So we talked a lot about the internet and social media and the importance of all of that. What are your thoughts on like print campaigns? Are they still a thing? I love print. Tell me everything. I absolutely adore print. That is a, I think. Is it effective? I think it can be effective. Now, you know the most important physical marketing piece you can ever do is your sign, right? Your sign is the most important thing you can ever now have Now I'm like up. stressing about my signage. No, <laughs> no, you, I, I, you're putting signs up. Right? I do like my sign actually. Right? I'm not sure. I like my sign. Signs are crucial. Yeah. Signs are critical. And I'm not saying billboard advertising. I'm saying your sign on a product that indicates what you do. Mm-hmm. That is exactly. People can drive by it and self-select. Oh, yeah. That's what I do. It is super helpful. So like print mailers, postcards, print magazines, mailers, they're still around. They're still working. They, they are still around. When you're doing uh, magazines and advertising in particular, mm-hmm. I always recommend that my clients see if there's some digital benefits they can have in addition to that. Yeah. Negotiate. Negotiate hard with the publications. Mm-hmm. Ask for banners to be thrown on into that advertising agreement. Ask for what ways they're going to be promoting your advertorial or your article. Interesting. And promote, I just and promote suspended them my too. magazine and I was like going to see if it was effective or not. And now when I go back, I can ask for some additional... Because you do yes. want to be cohesive across all of the fronts. Like if my magazine doesn't look like my social media, something is wrong. So at least I think so. Absolutely. You're, you've, got yeah. a, you've got a brand. Yeah. You it need be. the visual recognition. Totally. Well, I think that we're about out of time. I have so many more questions, but I'm 100% going to go get like, did you say discovery session? I am going to come to you for a discovery session. I think everyone else that's a small business owner needs to talk to Becca for your advertising, marketing, website analytics. It's just so important to get it done. I know you got it on your back burner, but let Becca put it on the front burner for you. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) 